0: podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stephanor Mantis. Hi, this is Stefa. Thank you for listening to Artisans Who Wholesale. Sadie Bliss is at the head of a terrific organization called the Maine Crafts Association. While craft doesn't always successfully cross over into wholesale, I wanted to talk to her about what her organization is all about, who it serves, and get her insight into what she knows is important for artisans and makers. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Sadie Bliss grew up in New Hampshire, where her mother was a professional craft artist making a living from her ceramic work. While in graduate school receiving a degree in arts administration, Sadie worked for the Society of Arts and Crafts Managing Craft Boston. She moved to Maine in 2008 and began working for the Maine Crafts Association at the Center for Maine Craft and in 2012 moved into the director role. The Maine Crafts Association offers educational, marketing, and retail opportunities to members, including professional development focused on wholesale. So welcome, Sadie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Sure. So can you fill in the blanks on that and tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, like that said, I grew up in New Hampshire and my mom was a a ceramic artist. She was part of the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen, which is a organization, not completely unlike the main crafts association uh, made up of members and supports them in their businesses. And it was a a pretty crucial part of her business plan. It didn't, didn't necessarily drive me to do what I'm doing today, but I can see that, that connection at this point. Mm -hmm. And so growing up with her and just, I was able to sort of live the life of a craft artist Family, although I haven't been a maker myself or had to make my living in that way. I do kind of personally know about it from that Mm -hmm. perspective. And then most of my career has been as an arts administrator, and most of the arts organizations that I've worked with and for have been craft focused. So that's really been true since I've been in Maine. I've, the first job I got when I moved to Maine was with the Main Crafts Association. And um, it's been 10 years and I'm still here.
0: <laughs> That's great. Tell me what the organization is and what your role is there.
1: So the Main Crafts Association started in the early 80s and was created to support craft artists. And it still exists today with that um, same general goal. The Mission has changed a couple times, kind of just different wording over the years, and is currently to support craft artists with retail, marketing, and educational opportunities. So all of the programs and events and workshops that we offer fall into one of those, or more than one of those Mm -hmm. categories. So some of our programs include... Uh, We just got back from Haystack. We do an annual workshop weekend up there where we offer seven studio-based workshops and we get about 80 students signed up and spending the weekend up there with us. So that falls under kind of the educational side of things. Another educational program, our craft apprentice program, which supports up-and-coming artists. They match up with a master artist and do an intensive apprenticeship. We Our retail program is most known for the Center for Minecraft, which opened in 2008. It opened right before I started. And I'm just thankful every day for the previous administrators who got that going because it's a huge part of our organization, both in achieving our mission and um, funding our organization. Yeah. So we, that's up in the West Garden Travel Plaza. We sell the work. Brilliant. Of you
0: know that I do it's fantastic and I would encourage anybody that's going up the uh up the turnpike to swing over and check it out because there's some gorgeous gorgeous pieces and it's always interesting to go in there because it's beautifully merchandised and there's some fantastic stuff so not your usual turnpike pull-off
1: yeah yeah until people go there they kind of imagine it and think it a little bit differently than they end up finding it to be. So it's, I think it's usually they're pleasantly surprised, yes, I hope. Yeah. Maincraft artists work there on, the majority of the work is there on consignment, but we do also buy work wholesale. So I've got some experience and, and insight from the buyer perspective as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we opened Maincraft Portland a little less than a year ago in downtown Portland, which is uh, modeled after the Center for Minecraft. It looks a lot different um, it's just a really different kind of space, mm-hmm. but really functions in the same way and increases the number of artists that we are able to represent. Also, I'll just quickly kind of give an idea. We do a craft, a, an annual craft show called the Portland Fine Craft Show. We do a statewide studio tour called Maine Craft Weekend in October. We do workshops throughout the year and throughout the state. We connect with different people who have different skill sets to offer. And then we partner with an organization for a space or sometimes we hold them in artist studios. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of a a program that is consistent, but always changing what's actually offered. And then we do two mentor Mm -hmm. booths, which are booths that people apply to be in. And then we help those artists who are in the booths up right up into the show. And then the shows are not ours. So we do one at craft Boston, which is a retail, a contemporary craft retail show in Boston in December. And then we do a similar program at new England made. And and that show is just one. We work with one artist and help them right up through the show and the craft Boston show. We do a shared booth.
0: Terrific. That's a lot of great support out there for, uh, uh, for your members. And it's funny that you mentioned Haystack. My daughter, as we speak, is up there opening it up for the weekend as a volunteer. So they're, uh, oh, it's yeah. such a special place. That's cool. So, uh, uh, so tell me about yeah. the members, yeah, uh, the members that you have and what's the, what's the makeup of your membership and what's the value for them to join in?
1: Sure. So we have about 600 members. There are a few different levels that people can join. There are, the majority of the members are professional Mm -hmm. members. So that's um, our membership. That's $100 a year. Anybody that's selling their work in one of the retail galleries is required to Mm -hmm. be a member. And then sometimes there's other member requirements As or you can get -hmm. a discount on something from being a member. So that's one of the, the benefits are discounts on the programs. In some cases, the only way to participate in the program is by being a Mm -hmm. member. And then there's a lot of marketing benefits. So we have a profile for the member on our website. We include member just being a visual arts organization. We include member images in any kind of marketing we do. Then there's special marketing that we'll do in down east, for example, where artists can pay to have their image featured along with some content about their business. Mm -hmm. And then there's things that are just member specific. There's members get a different set of emails than the public does as far as what's coming up and what they can be involved in. And all the programs I listed as well as other ones usually have a member rate and a non-member rate. So depending on how much an artist Thinks they'll be participating with us during the year. There's a way for them to be a member and get discounts on everything. Or if you think you might just do one thing, then would welcome that person to when they would just pay a little bit higher rate to do that that particular mm-hmm. item. And either way is good. We like to have kind of a bunch of different entry points for people to Perfect. be involved.
0: Great, that's a lot on your plate, Sadie. So tell me, uh, tell me about what's the most energizing aspect of the organization for you? What do you, uh, what part of the work do you love?
1: Uh, let's see. I love a lot of it. I, I certainly love getting to know all the different small businesses all over the state and seeing people. Um, now that I've been here for 10 years, I've seen a lot of people start, start a business and maybe even make some things and they're getting some positive feedback about them and they come to us and they want to sell them at the Center for Main Craft and, maybe mm-hmm. they're just not quite ready at that point their packaging isn't they don't have any packaging or they they don't know how to price it and and then through our resources and some other great resources in Maine they start building up and they they do become ready and then we're selling their work and it's going great and and it's really wonderful to see people go through that process i love it when people <laughs> quit their jobs quit their day job and they get to move over and just do this craft business mm-hmm. that they've been building um it's a really Wonderful and scary and brave step, and I applaud it. And I love our craft apprentice program. That's just a great connection between master artists sharing their like lifetime mm-hmm. of skills with someone that's just starting out, and they just get both sides get so much out of it in seven months of working together and getting to know each other and having our guidance along the way. So that's one of my favorite Perfect. programs.
0: Right. Tell me about the biggest challenge for you.
1: Well, mm-hmm. it's probably funding. I know that's a predictable <laughs> answer. We try to keep our participation costs low and then um, for the artists. So, we, for example, for a craft show, keep the artist booth fee low and cover as many expenses as we can with that and then work on getting other funding for, to, to make it viable. So I get sponsors and underwriters and and that kind of thing. So just in addition to creating the the program and getting people to do the program and making the program work logistically, then it's make it financially Mm -hmm. viable. It's a lot of grant writing and a lot of pursuing sponsorships and partners and individual donors. And I mean, it's a wonderful way to get people to Mm -hmm. be interested in things and have Mm buy-in and learn about us. Um, in some cases, you know, the bigger companies, their employees actually get to weigh in on what the company mm-hmm. sponsors. So when that happens, it kind of opens up a new group of people that have an interest in seeing us succeed. I'd say, yeah, just getting the funding to do, especially the the behind the scenes stuff, the, mm-hmm. the operating funds. Payroll um, is challenging. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a pretty typical Concern for yeah. nonprofits in general, arts organizations.
0: Sure. Tell me, uh, I know you've been there for a decade now. What are the common mistakes you see artisans and makers making, and what don't they know that you wish they did know?
1: Hmm. I think the best way, especially in kind of the building years of a business, an art, a craft based business, is to have and be trying multiple sources of income. So, and that involves sticking some things out that are maybe not going perfectly at the beginning and and that, you know, that can certainly be a risk and it can certainly be difficult financially. So, for example, if you go to a craft show and it doesn't go well, I wouldn't advise that you never do a craft show again or never do that craft show again. In some cases that that may be your eventual conclusion, but I think what people really need is to have some income from craft shows, some income from open studios, some income from wholesale, some income from maybe a consignment arrangement. So that as each one of those different sources ebbs and flows, the other ones mm-hmm. can kind of carry you. So eventually you may realize that craft shows just are, there's a, a long enough trend that it's not bringing in enough and it's too much work and you're just going to cut that part out. But I think you got to give it a few a few years and, and try it in, in a few different ways. So I think the mistake is when people make decisions a little bit too quickly about what's working or, and not working and limit their income. We streams. see
0: it on our end with an artisan who's been successful in retail will cross over into wholesale and we'll see them, uh, you know, the first year and they may not uh, meet their financial objectives, but they don't necessarily realize the hurdle they have as a new As someone new, and uh, the risk that buyers take—they may love their product, but making that commitment to place an order with them—you know, a lot of times it's you know I'll wait a year and see if they've stuck to it and whether I can rely on them. So, so that longer term lens is great, great advice for them. What else do you see the most successful artisans doing?
1: The most successful craft artists, I think, certainly have have honed in on their. Best income streams. And, but they also continue to take risks and to grow where if a new type of business model comes up, so mm-hmm. maybe like selling on Instagram, that they would be curious and, and willing and interested to do that, even if they've got mm-hmm. other things that are working for them. I think you, they don't, they don't stop in one spot. They still stay flexible and interested and curious about about new ways and, and open to trying things that don't feel comfortable in order to be able to reach new audiences potentially that are using those new ways. And I think even more importantly than that, the successful artists are finding the balance of sticking to their vision and their style and spending their time in the Making the things that they want to make while making small adjustments that feel comfortable to meet the demands of the market. For example, if somebody's making higher end sculpture and they, maybe someone tells them they should, that they're, they keep hearing that it's too expensive. And so then they make some kind of object that's very inexpensive but it feels like they're selling their soul to do that. And they hate making those and it's it's pulling Mm -hmm. them in a different, a really different direction. I think people need to be careful with that. I mean, in in nonprofit world, it's called, it Mm -hmm. can be called like mission drift. Like you go and you're chasing money and you create a program that you really don't need to be doing, or it doesn't really quite make sense for you. So I think that fine line of of making adjustments and listening to feedback and 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 finding some niches but not direct, drifting too far away device. from your vision.
0: Any other tips or resources that uh for the craft artists that you're seeing that are especially helpful?
1: Well, there's a lot in Maine and I think one is just to look for resources such as Score or potentially like uh some kind of business support at a at a, your local library or city that doesn't specifically say that it's for craft businesses. I mean, certainly you're going to have to do some adjusting in the advice that they give you, but I think just really thinking of yourself as a business and tapping into resources that are for businesses. And there's you know there's national ones, there's local local resources like that. Online, I do read stuff from the Indie Retail Academy. They have a newsletter, and I think there's um, different tiers you can pay to get different information. Book that comes to mind is The Perennial Seller, The Art of Making and Marketing Work That Lasts by Ryan Holiday. Um, It isn't specifically about wholesale, but it's Mm -hmm. relevant to making a living as an artist. I think that social media is certainly a resource. Um, there's pros and cons mm-hmm. of it. I think Instagram is the best one personally works the best for um, mm-hmm. visual artists. It's really nice for telling stories and kind of setting, giving, giving a, a feel for yourself and your business and being open to sharing kind of personal parts of your life. I Mm -hmm. think there really is an interest in storytelling, like from the buyer's perspective, Mm -hmm. either the end user or a wholesale buyer, learning about the artist. So if you're on Instagram, it's, it's you know, showing products, but also showing works and product Mm -hmm. process or pictures of your studio Mm -hmm. or pictures of your studio cat or to the extent that you're comfortable sharing a little bit about what makes you Mm -hmm. interesting and what your life is like.
0: Who or what keeps you inspired after 10 years?
1: Certainly my staff. They are mostly all artists and Mainers and really dedicated to the work that we do. Of course, our our members and all the wonderful things that they're doing and, and always changing and reaching for and participating in the programs that we do and giving us great feedback. So that's, that certainly keeps me inspired and interested. Last year was a great year opening Maincraft Portland. It was a, a probably the, the biggest program and project that, um, we've done since I've been there. So that involved fundraising campaign and renovation and just starting from scratch with something. So that was really exciting and, and, and fun to, to work on and, now this year is kind of about shoring that up and and learning how to kind of fitting into the new size of our organization that really, in in some senses, staff-wise and, and what some did other you ways, learn it, it from, doubled our uh, size.
0: From creating that new location uh, that you didn't expect or with hindsight, what did you learn through that?
1: Well, we needed to mm-hmm. raise money to do it. And I wanted to go into it with, mm-hmm. with a budget ready to go capital ready to go. So, I hadn't personally done a big fundraising campaign like that for, you know, a particular purpose that we were and with a pretty specific deadline. So, it was really encouraging to get to get the support we needed in a pretty short period of time. So, within a couple months we announced what we were doing and we raised a little more than $100,000 and were able to commit to the project. So it just showed us that how much support we have and people from obviously the the arts community were supportive, but also the business community in Portland and even people not in Maine at all, but that live outside of Maine and, and, Mm -hmm. but come to Maine or believe in Maine or, or the arts in Maine. So it was, I think that was the, I didn't know personally how that was going to go exactly or how long it was going to take or who those people were going to be. So I think that I just learned that we, it's just made it feel like we're on the right track and we have the support. And it's it wonderful validation. Really going into that
0: project. Of, you know, the work that you're doing is valued out there uh, mm-hmm. and and people are willing to support it. How do you recharge Sadie? What do you, uh, what's a healthy habit for you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I exercise a lot. I run and I go to the gym and I bike with my kids. And I think that's mm-hmm. um, pretty important to my mental health. And <laughs> even on the days that I don't want to do it, I as, long as, do it start, I do as long <laughs> as you can start, you're good. As long as you can get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really, do make, I really do make time for it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like my non art side of me, but I've got like a workout partner. we, commit to being there and mm-hmm. it does help in the days that I don't want to go. if I know that I'm going <laughs> to let someone down or that they're going to show
0: up Great. and I'm not. I usually and, uh, get up and uh, up. As we wrap it up, um, is there any advice you'd like to share uh, for artisans or craft artists that you think would be helpful?
1: Um, I, well, I guess I referenced this a little bit, but I think just staying true to your style and how you want to spend your time um, also, I'd recommend that people imagine growing their business and what that would look like. I do believe in the law of attraction. And I think that if you start imagining things and, and how you would want them to be and how growth could look... Sometimes things will start falling in place. Like if you imagine what it would be like to have an employee or how much or what you would need them to do or how, what, what that would look like having them in your studio, maybe somebody will come along. And since you've already thought about that a little bit, it's, it's easier to sort of start building those blocks and piecing that together. And, not, and I think also just not ruling things out. Don't rule out wholesale or don't rule out having an employee. Um, I think, as if you're open and flexible to things and can imagine
0: great. growth, That's then great. it's going to happen. And finally, I know as listeners are listening to this, it may be a little past some of these events, but I know you've got a really interesting roster coming up. Do you want to mention a couple of events that are are coming up soon?
1: Yes, definitely. So we have our. Seconds and Supplies sale coming up June 1st. And that is a really cool event that we work with Running With Scissors in Portland on. We rent a 10 and put it in the parking lot. It's on Anderson Street, 250 Anderson Street. And it's a flea market style, um, <laughs> flea market mixed with a craft show, I'd say a little bit laid back and it's an opportunity for artists to sell things from their studio that they're not using. So equipment, materials, um, even like studio furniture, tools to the public or other artists. And then also artists will sell seconds, which are essentially their work, but for whatever reason, they're not selling it in their normal places. It's something that's discontinued or has a small flaw. So it's A lot of good deals on studio studio items and art and craft. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of sales that go on between the vendors that are there, which is great. And it's just kind of a a fun event. It's a great way for artists to clear some stuff out of their studios. It's a great way for up-and-coming artists to get a lot of things they may need. That's a terrific um, event. At a great price. So that's June 1st. Then June... Yeah, we're, we did it in 2017 and decided somewhere along the way that we were going to do it every other year. So we'll do it this year and then mm-hmm. again in 2021. So it won't be for two years. You should come. The other one is um, a fundraiser, and it's actually something that we've, on an organizational level, identified that we need like a fun evening fundraiser, and we like for all of our events to tie into our mission as well. So the concept that we came up with is a runway show. We have eight of our members who make wearable clothing designs will be featured. And they'll it'll be at Urban Farm Fermentary on June sixth, five to no five thirty to eight. Six thirty, the runway show will happen. There'll be a style market, which is a chance to buy the work that you see on the runway, as well as like a mini maincraft Portland selling um, accessories and other things that we sell in the store and some of the artists bringing in some new stuff special for that event. So tickets to that are um, 40 for members, 50 for non-members. And um, the idea is just to raise those operating funds for the main crafts association and support and i know some people will be listening to this after these
0: events have happened but i would encourage anybody listening to check out the uh the organization's website and sadie if somebody is looking for information about your upcoming events or membership how should they reach out
1: maincrafts.org is our primary website that lists everything we've got going on. There's a few different pages that list all the programs or there's calendar page. And then each program has its own page goes into more detail. So you kind of come at those few different ways. Minecraft weekend is our October studio tour statewide studio tour. And that has its own website. That's maincraftweekend.org craft Craft apprentice program is midway through its cycle right now. So the masters and apprentices are, are working together and, They'll that will open up for the 2020 applications in October. So you can kind of check out who's doing it this year and learn more about it and consider applying for that in October. And that is maincapcap.org. So three different websites, but you can get to, you can find everything on maincrafts.org. You can always email me at sadie at maincrafts.org you can stop into Maincraft Portland on Congress Street. You can stop into the Center for Maincraft up in West Gardner. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> um, how else? Call me. 207-205-0791. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Follow us on those. There, we do put a lot of information on those. Um, and that's a good way to stay up to date, like on a constant basis. We do send out in a newsletter that goes out once a month, which is Full of all sorts of things, but following on social media, you know, if we put, I just put our application up for our Craft Boston program and then shared that on social media, but it won't go out in the e-news till... June 1st or so. So that's a good way to see. Well, thank you things, so much like, Sadie, right for up, taking the it.
0: time and telling us about this fantastic organization. I know many of the members and uh, I know that they're proud to be affiliated and to be members of, uh, you know, craft artists strong. So uh, thank you for coming on board. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Visit artisans who for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.